Find us on the Drake Memphis app and listen to our shows and podcasts on Spotify, TuneIn, or anywhere you search for podcasts. DrakeHallMemphis.com Yellow, it is Thursday, which means Ask Lawyer Bill Day. Our friend Bill Jones, Jones Law Firm, will join us here in about a half hour to discuss legal issues of the day that involve the city and or questions that you have about legal quandaries you find yourself in. We all do. Do not be afraid. You can ask anything you like and he will give you an answer or find somebody who can. 878-9420 is that number and said we'll watch those and collect them and then we'll ask Bill when he gets here um, and we'll talk about other things. It's amazing to me that this rape kit situation that's been going on in this town for over 10 years is back in the news because nobody is doing their job down there. I'm not quite sure of these specifics, but they were backed up. The log of backups was, what, in the hundreds? And uh, Amy Weirich was trying to, um, uh, to get, they hired people to get back and do them and blah, blah, blah. And the Eliza Fletcher case, the guy that was, uh, that was nabbed for that, had a uh, prior arrest for a rape, and the test kit was supposed to have been run, but it wasn't because somebody forgot. Any surprises there? No. I'll, I'll, I'll just answer my own question. So <laughs> uh, we'll see what any of that means. And I kept the story about Steve Mulroy and the new conditions he hopes to impose upon arrests and what, what's important and what's not and uh, how people will be held. There were some more kids shot downtown yesterday, and uh, this this madness continues. So we'll get to all of these things and uh, cast a light upon them based upon what an attorney observes as he's doing his job at 201 Poplar. There, that really isn't Bill's thing, but, uh, these, but these lawyers know stuff about things that we don't know about. That's why they went to... Six painful or eight, whatever painful years of this crap over and over again. But they do learn it really well, and uh, Bill knows it in and out. So it'll be good to get some takes upon that. There are a number of stories in the news about music and bands and tours. A new album involving a man from Memphis. We want to run down those. And why not begin the day with music uh, observations and uh, and some some new stories, uh, beginning with Coldplay, one of the biggest bands in the world that has made great music for, uh, what, almost 20 years now? Oh, Is yeah. that right? Jeez. Yeah. So what are they up to? They are doing a great thing. If you're a Coldplay fan and weren't able to see them in concert on their last big tour, which is very likely because they didn't you know, go everywhere and tickets are expensive. But they filmed their last couple of shows that they did at a 10-night run in Buenos Aires and put it together as a film. Now, they did a version of this that they broadcast on a TV show sometime late last year. What they're doing now is making a sort of director's cut of it and they've remixed and remastered the sound, added some visuals. They've had they had drones flying around capturing video wow. for this cool. thing. And the guy who directed it is won Grammys and BAFTAs and there's a lot of footage that wasn't shown in the broadcast. There's a behind-the-scenes short film with an interview with the band that's going to be included in this thing. And it's going to be shown in theaters across the globe. So you'll have your chance to go and almost see Coldplay live, but it, it'll be like the next best thing, April 19 and 23. 
And the tickets for the event are going to be available starting on March 8th at, but uh, it's going to be 4 p.m. our time, uh, from coldplaycinema.live. And that's where you can sign up to get more information. And hopefully someone around here is going to put it in the theater for our local fans to see it. Well, the Malcos, you would think, uh, probably will, but maybe we'll hear something from that from our friend Karen over at Malco, and we can move along from there. I saw this story last night, and Wes has uh, some more about it. Gene Simmons of KISS was on with Howard Stern the past couple of days. Gene is now uh, 73 years old. Um, he's been with the group since 1973, their formation and their takeover of the world as being KISS. Um, no band has ever marketed itself as perfectly as they have. They've probably made as much money on merchandise as they have playing concerts. <laughs> as much guess. more. Yeah, Probably yeah, a lot I more. Uh, but they have sustained this for 50 years. And they did some really, really smart things along the way. <clears throat> um, because back in the, <clears throat> in the early days of this, when they got to be popular, let's say in the 80s, uh, Gene Simmons <clears throat> was out in public but he 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 would never show his face. They never did that. He would wear some kind of a scarf over his face. He was dating Cher, and so all the paparazzi were after them all the time. And so Gene never showed his face. It was a big big deal to not reveal how they really looked. Um, well, in Gene's case, let's say frightening. He looks, <laughs> he's better with the makeup on. Uh, but Paul looked okay, and the other two. Uh, Ace and uh, Peter Chris were just just normal dudes in a band. So when they made the decision to take the makeup off, brilliant, brilliant move. They were on the cover with no makeup on, and it did not hurt their appeal whatsoever. And they would follow along with some of the themes of the day, and when disco was big and dance, you know, just all the dancey stuff, they made some songs... I was made for loving you. What was the other one that was a hit? Um, that was when kind they of were dancing, disco-y thing. Yeah, I don't know if they were unmasked or not. Not by but, then they weren't. I don't know what the other disco-y song was that they did. Don't waste your time. Uh, so uh, they will be. They announced their farewell tour. Um, Gene told Howard Stern. Um, I kid around a lot and say that men don't cry, but I'm sure I'll cry like a nine-year-old girl when uh, we finish. Uh, some people have laughed and said, oh, this end of the road tour has gone on for years, but we lost two and a half years to COVID. And we, uh, if not for that, we'd be done already. So yes, this is the end, says the great Gene. You come to see our show, it's awesome. It's the most high-tech show out there, and it's clearly a kick-ass rock and roll show. It's not Vegas. It has something that loses its, it, it does not lose its balls, so to speak. It's everything kiss, just amped up and ramped up. So look, we're giving it everything we have. Give me your money. Paul Stanley was too embarrassed to speak on Gene's comments. Uh, Paul is 71, Tommy Thayer, 62, and Eric Singer, who's the bunny, uh, 64. <laughs> so they're going to be playing 19 gigs, the end of the road tour. 
um, beginning in Austin, Texas, right west, and finishing up at the Garden in New York, where they kind of began. Yes, the last two shows, December 1 and 2 of this year in Madison Square Garden. Gene went on to say, Kiss was born in New York City on 23rd Street half a century ago. It will be a privilege and honor to finish touring at Madison Square Garden 10 blocks and 50 years from where we first started. Yeah. yeah. And he spit some blood and passed out. Uh, <laughs> they, they've got this, there's a list here of the states they're playing. There are no cities, but California, Washington, uh, Canada is now a state, I guess. Uh, Tennessee, it says. Uh, Indiana, Illinois, and Maryland. Doesn't say where in Tennessee. It might be Murfreesboro. Might be Nashville. Might be Memphis. No one seems to know. T County. But I would I would vote for a Dyersburg because for God's sake they need something to wake that place up. I've so, never been there. Uh, well, they probably haven't ever played Dyersburg, uh, but they could. Um, so uh, this is going to be going on i would almost wager if i had 50 bucks to waste that they are not going to be done they don't know how to be done and he's 73 mick and keith are almost well they're in their late 70s but the difference with kiss is that every night before they play there's a ritual that takes hours putting on the makeup putting yep. on those boots and all that heavy gear yep and that takes a toll on anybody of any age. Somebody in their 70s having to lug all that crap around and wear those shoes, uh, that has to be getting old. So uh, here comes Kiss. This story um, surprised me a little bit. Uh, the Queen movie about Freddie Mercury's induction or inclusion into, into Queen, how that happened, um, and it won some awards for... Rami Malek, who played Freddie Mercury. It was well done, and it was, mm -hmm. unlike the Elton John uh, biopic, it was, they left out some of uh, all the sexual stuff. Him being gay was not any big secret. All the cocaine and drugs and fun they had was no big secret. But the movie turned out to be pretty much PG-13. Right. And it told the tale of uh, their growth and how they became to be the band they were which was one of the biggest bands in the world. And I'll never forget all the all the laughing and the, uh, the critiques over Bohemian Rhapsody. Their record label was appalled. What, the, what, do you th what do you think you're doing? This is horrible. This will never get any airplay on the radio. Not now, not ever. <laughs> As usual, the executives were correct. It never got played anywhere. No, wait a minute. Uh-huh. So the movie was a big hit, um, which is kind of unusual for biopics, but that one was huge, and it, and it won this dude a number of roles. Uh, what is even better for uh, Mr. Malik is, I, th I thought this guy is a one-trick pony. He has typecast himself as as as, uh, as this guy forever, but he's in a, he's been in a number of uh, big films because the guy can act, but... He will always be Freddie Mercury. The problem with that movie was that the star of the film was the fake teeth in Rami's head. That, <laughs> that was rough. So you think that's the end of it, right? Because Queen has spent a number of uh, years touring first with Adam Lambert, who was an American Idol dude, and they pulled that off. And then Paul Rogers, the great voice of Free and Bad Company, did two albums, or not two albums, but uh, two tours with them. Uh, 
And uh, so that was, they kept it alive. And uh, John Deacon bailed a long time ago, but oh, Roger yeah. Taylor and Brian May, the guitarist, who's a doctor of what, physics or something? Astrophysics. Uh, astrophysics. And so now the proposal discussion for what Wes has to tell you about. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm shocked by this. But then again, it's a pretty, there's enough content to make this film, mm -hmm. I think. See, I, I completely think this is a bad idea and that there's just not. This is, but uh, Dr. Brian May is someone was asking him about the movie and a potential sequel, and he says that they've been talking about it. He was proud of the movie, proud of the people that uh, played them, thought they were just phenomenal. Tempting to do a sequel would be worth it just to work with those boys again, he says. Yeah. Uh, Roger Taylor, though, in a, I guess a moment of clarity, two years ago he famously said that he said a sequel was unlikely it would just be like a cash grab it'd have to be a very very good script and scenario to make it work and right now he couldn't think of doing a way to do a sequel and i i'm with roger on this i think the way they structured that story and the way they compressed time and moved events around mm -hmm. worked for a great interesting story arc and while also being a biopic because they uh, they did play around with the time. Uh, Queen yeah. had played together. I mean, in the movie, Queen had not played together for two years before they went into rehearsals for Live Aid. Well, actually, they had been on tour together uh, earlier that same year playing South America. And mm -hmm. Freddie didn't. Freddie in the movie knew he had uh, AIDS going into Live Aid. Well, he wasn't diagnosed right. until a couple years later. But right. moving those events around makes it a more dramatic story, which is fine and good for a biopic. But they basically covered everything. After yeah, Live Aid, they, I think, maybe went on one more tour and had three more albums, and then Freddie died. Um, well, Freddie's death was not really a big deal in the movie, was it? I don't remember. No, it didn't that, happen but... in the movie. They, they ended okay. the movie at Live Aid. Yeah. At, well, you know, they ended it right. That, was a, that right. was a high point and triumph for the band, and that was a great place to end the movie, and that was done right. Well, if we if we look at this from the perspective that Freddie Mercury was the star and the focal point of this film, which he which he was for the most part, yeah. But the story of the band, though, and how it came together, uh, was how it all began, and then Freddie became the the focal point for the entire thing, and his life story and AIDS and his passing was also part of it, which was not really um, leaned on in the film. Now. If you want to get back into this, and is it a money grab? First of all, can you get the actor to, that played Freddy, Mr. Malik, back to do it again? Point I point. would suspect not. Uh, and that would be the first hurdle to overcome right there. Why would he want to go back and do this again? Uh, but you had the interesting qualities of them staying alive and playing you know, these massive tours with two different lead singers. Is that interesting, or is it kind of a has-been thing, trying to stay alive when you really probably shouldn't? It it just has the feel to me of a side note or an epilogue. Yeah, it does. Instead of right. its own story. And they don't need the money, for God's sake. So. No. Yeah. No. Um, it just seems but, like they'd have to. The sequel would have to be about, or partially about his death. How could it well, not? Everybody already knows that story. He won't be coming back anytime soon. So uh, I don't know. Somebody just brought this up someplace, and some journalist heard it and turned it in, into the story. 
so it probably is going nowhere. This one uh, will be followed by a song. I saw this uh, over the weekend, I think, and I looked at the the uh, story, and here's here's what the what the uh, the story is about. There is an album coming out that is um, uh, produced, composed, directed by a Memphis gentleman named Kit Wakeley. I do not know his name or anything about his work. He has assembled a collection of guitar heroes for the forthcoming album Symphony of Sinners and Saints, Volume 2, The Storm. And on the album, he has gathered Joe Satriani, Nita Strauss. Who did she play with? I, I'm trying to She played with Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper, yeah. And so did a gal named Orianthi. So Alice had two blonde guitar players, one at a time. Uh, but Orianthi is what this story is about. Now, Nuno Betancourt is also on this record. And another a bunch of other players... Orianthi played with Michael Jackson first. She was the blonde lady that played with Michael on tour. And he also gathered a bunch of other players. Uh, Kenny Aronoff is one of the best drummers in the world. He began playing with John Mellencamp. And he left that band to do session work and to play for other people. Um, and there's the Macedonian Orchestra and Choir are also a part of this record. The album isn't out yet, but the one song that we found is. And I thought this is going to either be a really big mistake to do this song instrumentally, or it'll be pretty cool. We'll let you decide. This is is a, is a Orianthi, a guitar player, um, long blonde hair who played with, with, with Alice and with other people and she does a version of stairway to heaven not as long as the original she also incorporates toward the end another zeppelin classic it's hard to get away from led zeppelin isn't it they keep popping up um and uh, they'll be part of well not they but mr plant um the band's lead singer will be here for the bill street music fest with allison krauss and that's one of the stages of his career that continues to be successful and very popular. But this song has one of the biggest songs maybe of all time, which was never a single, uh, but was uh, uniformly, it was, it, was a, it was loved and is still loved by many people, except for Zeppelin, who got really, really sick of it and stopped playing it in their concerts a, a long time ago. Uh, but she has done this version with her guitar and the band, orchestra and choir. So listen to this and wait for nearer the end. You will hear a different Zeppelin classic come into it. So from the forthcoming album, Symphony of Sinners and Saints, Volume 2, the Storm album, here is Orianthi and Company on this song on Drake Digital. Drake Digital with Drake West and Sid in the morning. Hear all the shows at drakehallmemphis.com. Our friend lawyer Bill is coming up next. Any questions for Bill? 878-9420. If you need some answers about your family issues with 
kids and divorces and uh, just or the, uh, the wills, the estates, who got has rights to any anything. And Bill can direct you to uh, uh, the lawyers that do that kind of work if he can't answer it for you himself. So that is coming up in just a moment. So get your get your questions in right now, and we'll get um, get with Bill here in a few moments. I'm looking around for something to uh, uh, look at briefly before we get to Bill. Uh, any uh, any comments you have about that version of uh, Stairway to Heaven? From the new album uh, coming out later on this month, I believe. Um, we, uh, you can text that too, or anything you want to comment about. 878-9420. Here's one, a quickie, uh, before we do a break and uh, play some songs and come back to Bill. Governor Bill Lee of Tennessee is taking a lot of heat. Uh, they're proposing our, this newest assault on the LGBTQ, um, the entirety of this large number of people, that politicians are acting like they just came into being last month. Uh, this has been going, this has been a part of society and of people and of how they live their lives for for decades and decades. Centuries. Mm -hmm. Centuries. And they, and there's also, there's a, they're trying to pull off the same thing in Texas. And the guy down there who is writing the law or the bill a video of him has come up in drag. <laughs> the same way Shocker. that one came up from Bill Lee from 1977. Now, of course, you know, boys will be boys. It was just a high school play or something, he said. Uh, what? People have what? been, have been high school play? Dressing like that in front of minors as minors? That's against the law that he wants to sign. <laughs> uh, yeah. And... People have done this in movies. Uh, many of you don't know who Milton Berle is. That was a big part of his act. Uh, Monty Python, for goodness sake, um, have been wearing dresses and, and makeup, as have Mrs. Doubtfire and Tootsie. That was Dustin Hoffman. But, uh, but anyway, uh, these people act like this has just now come into the world. Uh, it's So Stephen Colbert last night tore into Governor oh, Bill Lee. For his assault on the LGBTQ community. There was a big deal downtown yesterday protesting and some folks were locked up and uh, the outrage is spreading and people are tired of politicians trying to change the world and dumb it down and do it to what their specs on how things should be. It's just enough already. But as long as they're in these in, in these in these spots like DeSantis and like Bill Lee it's going to continue um, uh, new bills banning the gender affirming surgery for youths that one is a little unusual and the drag show restriction anybody under 10 should not see this or something I, it, it so Colbert says yes Bill Lee wants to severely limit drag. Our founding fathers did not create this country so men could wear frilly shirts, silk stockings, and powdered wigs. <laughs> <laughs> then they flash up the picture of Bill Lee dressed in drag. Um, Colbert says, admittedly, those are some great gams, but I'm sorry. Those pearls? Governor, remember when Coco Chanel famously said about you know how to 
accessorize. Before you leave the house, look in the mirror and stop trying to score political points with your base at the expense of real human beings, you dick. <laughs> and the crowd went wild. I love Stephen Colbert. He's hilarious. Just the, just the hypocrisy of these people is never ending. And I suppose you can can rationalize he was a young man just playing around. Now he's a grown-up man who's the governor of a state. And, oh, Lord, we can't have our children seeing men wearing makeup. What you don't know sometimes, what you're afraid of, what scares you, um, is what leads... They don't understand that not everybody is like them. And uh, you, uh, that ship has sailed, both you governors, all of you people, who are trying to change the world back to what it, what you think it used to be. It's just sad, but uh, anyway, it, it it's, really is because it never it, stops. They uh, they got all offended. I think what riled everyone up was uh, that got bothered by this was the drag queen story hours because how dare someone show up in drag yeah. and read to little Which kids? I didn't know to the, even that was a thing. To the little kids, though, at most it's a guy dressed up like a woman. It's, it's a clown. It's they're a clown. not seeing exactly. any. They're not seeing anything sexual about it. It's no different than like a guy dressed up like a pirate reading a story, or a guy dressed up like a clown, or. Someone dressed up like a, uh, a a governor pretending to read good law. <laughs> I mean, so seriously. Does, so does the same thing apply for a man? No, for, for a, a a woman who wears a a man's suit and tie. That, what I've go. seen of the law, uh, that it does. Oh please! Oh my God! You're just these people don't live in the real world. They are playing to a. Ron DeSantis is trying to dumb down Florida as best he can and ban books and ban the gays and uh, and keep everybody who's not white and hetero held down. They're afraid that we are losing the power and control being white people. So anybody of a different color or a different sexual preference or their what their proclivities are, that it's it terrifies these people. Banning books. It was my wife that said last week, if you want kids to read the Bible, ban it. Exactly. Good, good point. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, can we worry about crime and, and uh, important things? No, we can't, <sighs> because that's just not how government works anymore. And I have some more stories of today we may or may not get to. Um, uh, the it's, it's one a day now for Marjorie, Trailer Trash, Queen, Green. And the other one that may be as dumb as she is, Lauren Boebert, showed how fucking stupid she is yesterday twice. They're really on a roll. And the people in the GOP and the that are, you know, normal and sensible Republicans, why don't y'all speak out? Why doesn't somebody shut these dumb broads down? It's embarrassing and it's hurting the party. And it looks ridiculous to most people. Some, I guess, will cheer them on, but the majority of them are just stupid. And it's a really bad look. And American politics is suffering tremendously for the optics on uh, these antics that just never stop. But it makes good headlines. Lawyer Bill's coming up. 878-9420. Here's a great tune. From the Doobie Brothers, this is Drake 
Digital. Drake Digital with Drake West and Sid in the morning and the afternoon. Hear all the shows at drakehallmemphis.com. Jones Law Firm uh, is controlled and run and maintained by our friend Bill Jones. He has a staff, his brother Scott is an attorney there, and they're moving their offices to Clark Tower. That's why he hasn't had time to do a podcast, but he has a series of podcasts uh, to return. Uh, one will be on a, and uh, available next week. So the podcasting library is growing, and Bill has some special guests coming up from judges to other attorneys to uh, goodness knows who. So that will be coming down the pike. And the move is, uh, it's almost done, but you're not quite there, right? Yeah, so we're, we're, we're still in the uh, unpacking, trying to figure out where stuff goes phase. It's, mm. if, if you've moved, it's no fun. Moving Never. an office, especially when you're an attorney, there are certain records that, you know how you lose stuff in a move and misplace it? Well, we can't do that because they're files, they're people's tax returns, stuff like that. So um, we have to be very careful when we move. So it's even worse than a regular move. Well, it'll be done soon, and it'll be a lot of work, and you'll be happy with your new place, and your clients will. And so it's all it's all good. Oh, I'm excited about it. It's just uh, it's just a pain. I'm drained. Yes. I also, on a different note, remember the day that your son was born, uh, William Cinco. He's the fifth. <laughs> uh, I recall it well. And yesterday, a momentous occasion in his life occurred and I, I, I it makes me feel really old and out of it it, it should yeah so he got his uh, he it makes me feel old and out of it I, I can remember that it as should. well I remember that day I remember listening from the hospital room and and Zeke said uh, yeah they call him Cinco we'd never called him Cinco <laughs> in our life but that stuck so much like the nom de bloom lawyer bill was given to me he is cinco because of you guys but <laughs> yeah he got his um he got his permit yesterday and so despite the fact there were tornado sirens um when you get it you want to use it so last night in the midst of uh, torrential downpours we were outside he was learning how to drive stick in the mini cooper Look so, out. Um, now that's a pretty strong opening move there to drive a stick i couldn't do it if there were a gun to my head the other part that I find pathetic and sad is that this child is being taught to drive in a Mini Cooper. That is just <laughs> wrong. It's like, so it's, it's like learning how to play basketball in army boots. If, if you can play basketball in <laughs> army boots, then by the time you're ready to go to tennis shoes, you'll be Michael Jordan. So that's okay. kind of the, good the point. thought process there. Good point. Well, very good. Uh, the number to text Bill with any questions or commentaries or thoughts, 8789420. I want to go to this because even though it is a beaten and beleaguered and fatiguing topic, it is important to not stop talking about this, I think. Just for the general safety and awareness of the community that lives in Memphis and Shelby County and surrounding areas. The issue, obviously, is crime. Um, Steve Mulroy spoke yesterday and he brought up the fact that in the past couple of years, all the murder and the crime has put us as the number one American city for, for murder and, and, and just, just ugliness. And so he made those comments 
and talked about the new, um, uh, the way that they operate uh, down there at 201 Poplar. He's getting emails from citizens concerned about the recent crime spate. Well, I'm sure you are. Outrage and concern. Yes. Uh, ditto. We got that. Violent crime rising for a decade, making this town number one in the last two years. That's why he ran, he says, and wants to see, the, see the, these, these crime rates drop. All these words are nice. He, um, he um, emphasized these points as being the new set of guidelines. He told his people that work for him that prosecute the criminals to refocus on violent crime and to lay off, lighten up on matters like pot possession and being late on fines and fees. Has that been a problem that you are aware of and is your perception that they waste too much time on triviality and misdemeanors? No, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see that as an issue. I mean, if you're given a, uh, what they're talking about is lightening up. So they're, they're going to lighten up on some of the, uh, the little marijuana possessions. I, I get that. That makes sense. People have been screaming that for years. Um, ten, you know, Tennessee's Tennessee was one of the states that decided to extend prohibition uh, by five years back in back in the day. Even after, of course, uh, they were. It, it was changed, so it's not going to be any different when it comes to medicinal marijuana or any other kind. But what they're saying is let's let's back off of that. As far as the fines and everything, to me that that seems counterintuitive. If you're going to break a law, they're going to fine you, and then you can just flout your nose and say, screw it, I'm not going to pay it. Well, well, okay, then let's just not make a fine for it in the first place. There you go. Um, so so that seems counterintuitive to me. I, I think the coffers, that's that's where the city gets a lot of its money. Sure. By saying, hey, you, you've violated this. This is how much you owe, and if you don't pay, we're going to come pick you up. Okay, um, here's, here's one more, or uh, two more, actually. Issuing new guidelines on non-fatal shootings. Uh, no longer will the assaults uh, that go down here constantly um, and things like that be dropped for reasons such as victim uncooperative or witnesses unavailable. How prevalent is that and how much time does that take up and people? Snitches get stitches. That's yeah. what you're dealing with there. What they're, what they're saying is a lot of times if somebody gets... If somebody gets, uh, if you're a victim, you've been shot, you've been assaulted, if the witnesses go, yeah, we're not getting involved in this. If the victim says, hey, for the safety of my family and whatever, I'm not getting involved in this. There's not a lot that the prosecutor can do at that point in time. And what they're saying is, we're going we're gonna to try and change that up. And we're, we're still going to try and prosecute these folks. But the, the problem All with right. that is... Without a victim, do you have a crime? So uh, it's it's aspirational in nature. Look, Mulroy, I, I, he has been given a hard job. He came in at a hard time. He was a law school professor, right? So he's used to a lot of these things in the abstract. So a lot of the policies that he's trying to implement are are scholarly and should work in a educational setting. So in the abstract setting, he's doing everything that needs to happen. What we're about to see is when reality meets the pavement, 
in such a crime-ridden city, how's it all going to work out? The transference from the uh, professorial approach to the real-life approach. That's correct. Okay, now uh, here's the one that we that made us shake our head yesterday. I would have thought, I, I do think and did think, maybe because I've watched too much crime TV and movies over my lifetime, uh, there is not a cold case unit in partnership with the MPD, and he wants to establish one. How can that be possible, and are you aware that there is no cold case unit? And is that part and parcel of the rape kit issue that, 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 that has come back up again? We were talking about this with Amy Wyrick a decade ago. They were behind by hundreds of rape kits. They, they, they tried... They, they were tried bound to change, and determined to yeah. go get in there and get this fixed. They didn't do dick. Well, they tried to change it back in 2014. So they in 2014, they, they wanted to put a timeline on these things. And for budgetary reasons, again, um, because there wasn't enough money in the coffers, they the bill never passed. So mm, on average, good. it takes, I, I read the article yesterday, I think they said it takes 34 weeks for a rape kit to get tested. Um, so there's 52 weeks in a year. So And the victim is, in the meantime, kind of forgotten about and is suffering through their own personal hell because of the, of the dysfunction of the system. Well, so the the big thing that's brought this back into the the public's view is the 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 monster uh that murdered eliza fisher there was a fletcher. rape kit on uh, fletcher yeah. i'm sorry there was a um there was another rape kit from another incident with another victim and they're saying if that would have been tested in time this guy mm -hmm. wouldn't have been out on the streets right um so mm -hmm. she's got a lawsuit so that that's what's brought this issue back into the public eye again um and truly, it's just a matter of, it's the same thing, and I hate to sound trivial, but it's the same thing you and I deal with when we're going into any store or restaurant. There's just a lack of qualified workers that you've got mm -hmm. as the first issue. Mm -hmm. So there's a multitude of issues. First off, we have too many sexual assaults in this city going on. Second, uh, you don't have enough people testing. And third, there's not enough money. So it's not just a one-pronged problem. It, it has multiple problems, and that's right. why we can't just legislate an issue. Um, it, it's going to take a little bit more than that. Yeah, and it seems sometimes that we talk in circles about this stuff, but and there is never any, any solution to it. There's no definitive answer, uh, which I think should be of concern to people uh, in this city who are well they are for, for, there's a new mayor uh, coming up this year a new city council uh, i think that this underscores the need to pay attention to the issues and to what is being done or not done uh, and to insist by voting uh, however this applies to whatever people are involved this is so screwed up that it just uh it is uh, it's just an ongoing um, a concern. Well, it, and everyone it, knows it. It's, well, it's, it. it's embarrassing. It flows into everything. Um, DCS. Right now, we've got kids 
sleeping in DCS offices in downtown yeah. Memphis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's the same. The the problems are the same. We've got too many kids being neglected by their parents, and their parents aren't doing the. Their parents aren't being parents. That's issue number one. Number two, we don't have enough money to get qualified workers in there. And number three, we don't have enough qualified workers. So it's the same issue that you've got with the rape kit. Um, but what you're seeing there is there are some faith-based organizations that are trying to come in and, and help. And with DCS, that seems to, to be turning the tide where there are some, some independent, non-associated with the state, faith-based organizations that are supplementing these. And they're, they're, they're immediately hiring like 500 new workers for DCS. So, well, that's a good thing. Uh, 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 this also I, um, happened yesterday. Uh, what do you hear among your peers and on the street uh, about the situation involving the police chief, uh, Miss Miss Davis? She has not been out there, hadn't done a press conference, hadn't said, said, said a word. Yesterday, the uh, deputy chief, Paul Wright, did what seems to be a, a gratuitous uh, press conference uh, talking about crime in the city and imploring parents and families to step up and help fix the problems. Uh, juvenile court and those kind of things, uh, he just talked about this. Uh, there's no solution uh, offered, but there's a curfew in this town, 11 p.m. Monday through Thursday and midnight on Friday through Sunday. That, of course, is not being enforced. Uh, these kids are out out busy, you know, with cars and breaking into cars and uh, all of that stuff. And the last line here, or one of the last lines in this story, is about the never, never ending discussion of not having enough cops. Uh, it appears to me, based upon the numbers here, this says 1,900 officers, and they wanted to get to 2,400. That's why they had all these hiring fairs last year. Nothing much was produced from that. And the full staff is 2,300. That's 400 people who I guess are, I guess they're uh, clerics or something. Uh, But these press conferences to ask parents to start being parents, it's a a waste of time. It is just some FaceTime on TV and the media that produces nothing. Um, And it just adds, I guess, to our ongoing frustration. Although, since there are no answers, why do we keep bringing it up? Well, I, people, I don't. People I don't ought to disagree. be aware of this, and they, but they don't know what to do about it, and the cops don't either. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree um, that it's a waste, but it it's truly is the answer. Um, well, sure, it, and, it, it always has been, and, always and, will be. And what you what you get, we're in a cycle, right? So. Crime gets bad. We gripe that we need more officers. Well, they flood the markets and just hire anybody. Then we end up with the public outraged at the cops. And the Scorpion unit that killed a kid. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's it you vilify the police and say, Hey, we you know, y'all are overstepping your bounds and then from the other side of our mouths we're saying, uh, the city's out of control, we need you to crack down and crack skulls. Well, right. it can't. It can't be both. No, we got to. We got to. It, it just can't. There has to be another solution, and one of the solutions is 
Stop parents, having kids. Quit having kids and parents be parents. Yeah. It sounds easy enough, but it surely isn't. And it should be pointed out again that this is not the only city facing these same problems. It's everywhere. Up in Chicago, the one-term mayor up there who who ran on her entire uh, policy change thing or her basic uh, intent was to, uh, to corral the crime in Chicago, which is out of control. Uh, she ran against two other people and lost uh, by a tremendous margin. They voted her ass out now. She's done. And because um, the crime didn't change, it got worse. Is that her fault directly? Uh, she can't parent every kid on the south side of that town. It's where all the crime is. Uh, and it's it's bad everywhere. St. Louis and New Orleans and Detroit and Cleveland. So the problem is not just here. It's universal. And we've lost control of a few generations and more to come, uh, which is, it's just frustrating for everybody that watches this and doesn't feel safe in their home or in their city. And that's the resounding conclusion that most people have. They're nervous about going anywhere. It's a, it's, it's rough, but there are no answers yet. We can, we'll just have to keep trying. Um, my question, which we didn't really uh, answer. Do you think that the police chief, Miss Davis is, um, in the spotlight, maybe in a bad way. Sure, she is. Sure, she is. I mean, she's got so much negative stuff going on. I mean, you you've got officers killing folks. You've got an officer getting killed. Uh, you've got so much library. crime, yeah. and and somebody has somebody has to be accountable. There, the buck has to stop somewhere and and for, scapegoat is it her fault is she no, not a leader you know you know it's it, it, it's a systemic problem that it has has built and built and built and um, you're, you're gonna have to get somebody that that can unite that can cast that vision um, and, and that can get all these guys on the same page that has better training programs the the answer is not just more bodies. If if the right. answer is just more bodies, we end up with inept officers, which um, we obviously have, and uh, we all know those stories. Okay, well, it's this is worth bringing up, although it may sound like we're just beating a dead horse here, but this th this affects a lot of people, and it should be discussed and should be uh, aware uh, or just made aware, um, or, and just we got to, I don't know what you do. There just is, again, There's it's a recurring problem and discussion every week. So we can hope for the best and see where this goes. We'll come back in a minute. The number to ask Bill something or to comment upon the situation, 8789420. The Supreme Court is involved in an interesting case. And there are two sides to every story. And how the Supreme Court got this case is also uh, been brought up as why. Why didn't Congress get this? We can run that down uh, in a moment and get to your text, 878-9420. Back with Lawyer Bill in just a moment after a couple of tunes. Here is Amy Winehouse. This is Drake Digital. Find us on the Drake Memphis app and listen to our shows and podcasts on Spotify, TuneIn, or anywhere you search for podcasts. DrakeHallMemphis.com Lawyer Bill Thursday and Bill's uh, new podcast, will be coming up uh, next week as he gets his office moved and gets back into the podcast groove. 
with his brother Scott and other guests, among them, them uh, judges and attorneys and other folks discussing various things like that. So that's on the way. Next week, Wes's podcast premieres this weekend, and I'll be doing one with uh, our friend Shay Flynn about politics and the election coming up. Uh, do not be afraid. It will not be a, an overly serious, boring <laughs> podcast about politics because we aren't capable of doing that. It will be a discussion of the issues and the candidates in, a, I would think, a very important election in this town considering how many things are screwed up. And um, Shea has been involved in politics and the council for eight years, a state senator. He knows how these games are played. And so we'll be talking to him about the individual candidates, the issues, and how they match up or don't. Um, and he can be as candid as we want to, and we'll be doing that without any hesitation. Uh, the number to text Bill is 878-9420 to ask any question. I want to look at this for a minute. Um, I was surprised at the at the swiftness of a proposal by by President Biden and how quickly it ended up in the Supreme Court. I don't remember anything happening this fast and why this this was a fast tracked uh, to SCOTUS and not to the Congress. And John Roberts, who is pretty much the uh, leader of this outfit. And is one of the people that is not an extreme conservative. He seems to be more of a moderate man uh, that uses common sense where others use ideology. The issue at hand that Biden uh, had proposed was student loan forgiveness. Because the debt carried by thousands of people that went to college or didn't uh, is weighing them down. I guess the theory is if they didn't have to pay this, they could spend more money in the economy, blah, blah, blah. And it would. Um, so uh, what, what Roberts has brought up, which I think is a really good point, if you, I think that uh, $20,000 would be the relief that would be, be applied to student loans. Um, his point is, why would you give the credit or uh, cut off part of the debt to student loan, uh, to, to the loans. Uh, and he compared that to a young person that wanted to begin their own business and they get out a bank loan, which they have to pay back. Why not forgive that debt too, to help them in their business thrive? And that was the, the comparison he used, which I think holds some water. And his main point was, why is this in front of the Supreme Court and not in Congress? What's your take on that? Uh, I, I agree with Roberts. No, now look, I believe it or not, um, I still have, I think I still got like $5,000 worth of student loans left. I, I started out with $250. Um, wow. <clears throat> so I am 47 years old. Uh, I've, I've almost got it all paid off. So if Biden wanted to, if Biden wanted to cancel it, obviously I'd benefit from that. Uh, I'd, I'd owe nothing. That last five would, would go away, but I, I'm with you. Um, I knew what I was getting into when I asked for student loans. I said, yep. you know, I, I understand that I could not afford to go to law school on my own dime. Obviously as an 18 year old or a 22 year old, I didn't have 
250 laying around. Um, cause I, I had zero student loans coming out of college. Um, so everything that I had was just law school. Um, but I understood I went into it eyes wide open and most, most people do. The, the point is, is why, why are we not, why are we only giving this preference to folks that can go to school is the, yep. is one argument. It's the, a valid point, I think. It, it, and it is. Um, the other, why it's in the Supreme Court, though, why they're hearing it is Congress apparently at some point gave the power to the president to to forgive this. And they're saying, well, we don't think that you could give that power to the president. The president is trying to forgive it and folks are up in arms. So the Supreme Court's trying to determine whether or not it's valid. Now, the um, up in arms part would, and not, not, uh, here's where you get down to the numbers. If this program were implemented and this debt forgiven, it would cost $400 billion over 30 years, almost half a trillion dollars to forgive this debt, uh, which uh, the national debt does not need that right now. Um, and that's an obvious, I mean, it's, it seems to be a bad idea financially. Um, I don't know the benefit. If you add up everybody who would, um, have 20 grand knocked off the debt, you're going to add a bunch of money, um, to the national debt. And it doesn't seem to, it doesn't seem to make sense or even out financially. Well, it's, 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 so the, as a, as a conservative, uh, the other way to view it is it's vote buying. It, it is. Yeah, you're, that's, you're, that's true. You're, you're saying, Hey, I'm, I'm a Democrat. I'm the one that forgave your debt. Those mean old Republicans didn't want me to come next. Now that you guys are out and about and out of college and earning money, I want you to vote for me because I'm the one that forgave you your debt. It is the usual pandering by both parties, depending upon who's in charge. Sure. And sure, so and that, that's the answer right there. But <clears throat> I mean, I I don't understand why, other than during the election, all the all the candidates on both sides of the aisle were talking about forgiving some kinds of student loans. Um, but truly, it's not a drop. It's just a drop in the bucket for an individual. Yeah, I'm with you. the The country takes a bigger hit. Um, it's forgiven like ten grand per individual. I think twenty. Uh, twenty. Yeah, and um, if you're single, uh, it may be less or something. But um, it, it, that's it a drop in the bucket for what most people yeah. owe in student loans. And doesn't seem to be an issue for the Supreme Court of this country. I don't think. No, it's up to Congress. But then again, it's like giving it to a kindergarten class. They would accomplish the, the very same thing, which is nothing. <laughs> so uh, those losers. So anyway, all right. Some of the, your questions via text eight seven eight nine four two zero. What do you have from our friends out there? Here's one that's a part uh, two-parter from Anonymous in Arkansas. A defendant doesn't need money to fly out of town but can disappear back in his hood or another one nearby. Since Lawyer Bill doesn't practice in criminal court, he should be free to tell us if there are judges and their names who release the most people who commit serious crimes on bail or ROR. Part now, two. Well, let me, let me, do, go part, let me, let me do part one. Yeah, I, I, they are members of the judiciary. How, I, I'm, you're never going to hear me bad mouthing a judge. I've got a couple no, of judges right that, now that that wouldn't be good, good for Bill. 
No, I, I'm, uh, you're just not going to hear that. How it was I, learned the hard way, as I recall. Yeah. How I speak <laughs> out against against judges that I'm unhappy with is with my vote. And it's it's how the Constitution, it's how the, the state is set up. You know, we you always gripe and complain when you hear issues. Come with a solution. And the solution is, if you don't like it, every year when I work a voting booth and I come on this show... I gripe and I bitch and I complain about how many people don't show up. Yep. Um, so so get out and vote with your voice if you don't like these folks at the next election. Unfortunately, you got eight more years because we just voted. Yep. Well, I, I think that um, we are at a time because when you look at what's happening in politics on a national level and on a statewide level, there are a lot of unhappy people. Um, watching the governors of their states in Florida, in Tennessee, in Texas, and probably every state make some decisions that are really heavily, just, they're just, they're too heavy handed and they are trying to turn back the clock and pretend that there aren't any gay people. We shouldn't be, we, we uh, shouldn't teach history as it relates to race and all of these things like this. Plus you've got some of these real loudmouth morons whose only goal is to be in the news every day and they win that battle every day because I see these the faces of these people and what they do and say I think that we are maybe getting to a point and riling up younger generations that will encourage them and make them understand the only way to avoid this to getting these people elected is to get out and vote for somebody else that's not so damn stupid. And we've ended up in a really bad place where the Congress of this country, the, 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 just, just, just the states, and even locally, are dysfunctional messes because who we have put in these offices. They aren't there to make policy or make things better. They're there to get themselves on TV and in the newspaper, online or offline. And it's gotten out of control, which may propel this this upcoming election in this city to bring out more people to vote. In a town where 50% of people vote, things will never change. And um, it's a bit more than vote nationally, but unless people are finally hit in the face with how messed up things are, uh, they need to wake up and go vote. Older people are set in their ways and they'll vote uh, for whoever they seem to uh, to you know like for whatever reason, but we got to make people wake up. I don't know how you do that, but maybe it's the current state of of affairs that will be the impetus to make them understand it's important. Absolutely, that's all you can say. I I, I suppose. What is part two of dude? Yeah, question? part two. Judicial canons prevent judicial candidates from saying anything but platitudes. Citizen, citizens must insist on them allowing judicial candidates to say what they believe on certain types of cases and make more of their records, records such as how many they let out on free or low-cost bail, who then go out and commit more serious crimes. Make that public record, says this person. Is it already bill or not public record? Um, I'm sure there's some... Unless it's a sealed file, all of it's public record. It's just going in and putting that information together. I don't know that anybody compiles that kind of data, but it's there to be compiled. Um, where where you could you could go to the uh, 
it's the CSS court system. Anybody can access it where you can go and look up cases and see, you know, how many are done. But I, to my knowledge, I don't know that anybody's compiling that. What he's talking about as judges platitudes is we always see it when, whenever there's a Supreme court justice, um, nominated, they always ask him, what do you think on this? And they say, well, I may hear a case on that, so I can't, I can't say that right oh. now. Um, you always heard that. I mean, the big thing was Roe v. Wade last time. Everybody, what do you think of Roe v. Wade? Well, mm -hmm. I can't comment on that. I can only say that right now Roe v. Wade is good law. Well, it's not anymore. Um, so that'll be the answer that you hear from now on. So the next time a Supreme Court justice dies, and, and if Biden gets to put somebody on before his term ends, um, that would be the, the new person's answer is, well, I can't answer that question. I may hear a case on it right now. It's not good law. But so, in an election you know, cycle, it's, there's eight years now, I guess, for these folks to serve. When you see the judges running and putting up campaign signs in yards, you have to ask yourself, by what barometer do I uh, choose and what judge do I vote for? How do you know who to go with if you can't see how they have right. ruled in cases in their past eight years. It would seem to me that this should be a lot more public. What have they gone for? What do they lean toward? What is their ideology? Um, are they really following the law or are there other factors involved? Are they sketchy or are they legit and being real judges and making the right calls on these cases? That should be public record. Otherwise, how do you know who to vote for? Yeah. The one that's that has the most hair or the prettiest? <laughs> well, again, if we if we can if we can hire competent <laughs> folks to literally swab rape kits and get them out in a timely fashion, yeah. I, I'm not mm. I, I am not um, optimistic that we can have somebody that would go into each individual case and compile that kind of data. That's a really good answer, and it's sad, but it's true. Well, okay. Uh, one more text about the never-ending question about red light tickets. Let's cover this one more time. What will happen, this says, if I don't pay a red light camera ticket? You'll be hanged in public. You left out castrated. Yes. Um, <laughs> but um, after all that's done, nothing else will happen. You will be so here, here's the deal. A camera is not a person. Okay. A camera is a piece of technology. That can't cannot, sign a ticket. It can't sign a ticket. It can't appear in court. It cannot answer questions. Um, you know what? If I ever try a red light case, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a camera with me and put it on the witness stand and grill the hell out of it. But yeah. Um, Give it a pen. Yeah. It, it can't answer questions. So because of that, the camera has caught you violating and breaking the law. So if, if that little light goes off and they get you, they caught you breaking the law. So if you get a red light ticket, your vehicle broke a law. Okay, And they assume that you as the owner of the vehicle are driving that. However, because this is the United States and you have a right to face your accuser, this is not Kafka. You can go in and try this case, and if so, you, you, would not, you would not be found guilty. But the other thing is, there's no teeth to it. Those tickets say, if you don't pay this fine, 
It won't count against your record. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it won't result in an arrest warrant. Now, y- you'll still owe it, but there's no teeth to collect it. It would so be like if, if I told you, Drake, right now, I bet you a dollar that the sun doesn't set tonight. And then yeah. the sun sets. Well, I owe you a dollar. Well, how are you going to collect from me? There, come to your house? Yeah, well, even if you come to my house, I'm just not going to answer. I'm going to kidnap your kid until I get that dollar. Well, you can have uh, them. Teach them how so, to drive. <laughs> right. So don't tell me that any judge or any any court spends any amount of time on this nonsense ever. None. Okay. The end. All right, Bill. Uh, we'll let you go back and uh, keep moving your office, and we uh, look forward to having that done just uh, just to get you out of that mess. That'll be done soon, and Bill's podcast returns next week. And since there is no music in these podcasts, they can go up on the Lawyer Bill podcast section, and they'll be recutting some of their earlier ones uh, and uh, giving it some more time to uh, flesh out some of the issues they covered early on. We, so good luck with the move, and um, we are tell going us when we're to done. try and we are going to try and make our podcast a little entertaining. Uh, one way that we're doing that is we're putting a wet bar in the podcast room. <laughs> Nice. I think that so doing it drunk like we do this show every day is probably the best call. I, I, I didn't say drunk. We're just going to, uh, we're going to loosen your tongue. Whiskey to, yeah, to lubricate the soul. This is entertainment after all. And all of this doesn't have to be serious. That's right. So we can make it, uh, make it lighthearted and uh, not a bunch of, you know, just dumb, boring stuff when it should be fun. So I believe that you you and your guests can handle that. How do we contact the Jones Law Firm now in this yeah, moving mess? It's still the same. The website, which is going to be completely redone because it sucks right now, is LawyerBill.com. And the uh, the phone number for us is 761-5353. Thank you, William. Good luck. And uh, good luck with, with uh, Cinco's learning how to drive. What a drag. And, I'm going to uh, have him drive past your house. And I'm, that'll be fun. We're going to drive in your yard. If I see any Mini Coopers on this street, there will be action taken. So I would uh, probably avoid that. (laughs) Oh, Bill does too. We we have our own little, you know, shootout here in uh, South Haven. All right, Bill. Thank you, sir. We'll see you next week. Thank you very much. Thank you all. That is Bill Jones, Jones Law Firm, soon to be in Clark Tower. And um, there you go. We have fun with him and. It's even more fun to discuss some of these national and local issues involving uh, the court systems and police and how this is all changing. And uh, it's it's about time it changed, and we don't see anything tangible yet. But uh, we got we got problems around here, and lawyers are staying mighty busy, is my guess. So um, don't do anything stupid and get locked up. That would be a drag. What else do we have to do, Wes? Where are we? What time is oh. it? What day is it? <laughs> it's Lawyer Bill Thursday. It's, uh, I'll cut this part out later. It's 8.30 almost. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, why don't we just, uh, let's see here. We were going to play, I think I, okay, we're going to play this U2 song and yes. regroup and come back and uh, tell you some more little stories and play some more tunes. But in the meantime, Here is U2's Magnificent. This is Drake Digital. Drake Digital with Drake Wes and Sid in the morning and the afternoon. 
Hear all the shows at drinkallmemphis.com. If you're trying to understand the world of finance, uh, forget about it. It's impossible. <laughs> uh, you can read about the stock market, the Dow, the NASDAQ, the S&P, how things are going. Uh, for the time over the past couple of weeks, it's been uh, kind of flat, as they say. And everybody has their own prediction. Uh, uh, inflation is uh, an, a nagging issue that won't be going away anytime soon. There will be likely more interest rates um, imposed by the Fed. And uh, that's just kind of a given. And things have been down now for four or five weeks in many areas of the economy. Trying to break any of this down for your own personal self, uh, forget about it. I hope that you, if you're investing and have money in your 401ks, and that kind of stuff that you are getting advice from a professional because doing it by yourself uh wow not a good idea uh it's just it's uh, an impossible to understand configuration of so many different uh, uh components what you can do though is um uh, some people uh, like i've always thought that this guy was smart dave ramsey has been on television and radio and written books about finance forever and he comes from, from a place of common sense. And I've heard him on the radio before, and he takes calls from people, and they ask him about their portfolio and about this, that, and the other, and anything involving money. And he always has a decent common sense answer. He is very honest and very candid and doesn't mince words. And he this uh, story popped up, and I thought, you know, why not? Uh, Dave Ramsey calls this one concerning American trend a train wreck. And that's being kind about it. As adults are living with their parents increasingly, one industry uh, is benefiting tremendously from that. A recent survey by Morgan Stanley, who is one of the biggest financial outfits, banks, whatever they are, uh, in a new report says that the rise in young adults living at home is in part responsible for growth in luxury goods sales. To wit, you're living in your mom's basement, he says, but you've got you a new coach purse. This is not parenting, it's coddling. Uh, the observation from the experts is that this is a positive thing for the luxury industry. Because kids don't have any money, they're not paying rent, they're living with their parents, and they have more income to be allocated to spending on trips and on items that they otherwise wouldn't have that chance. The Census Bureau showed that in 2021, th 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 this is staggering, more than half of adults, 18 to 24 years old, live with their parents. Oh, wow. Does that shock you? Not really. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, what well, this does create uh, for you is that they are falling prey to it, and it's what's known as a train wreck, says Ramsey. This is, it has increased the past 20 years, and the COVID pandemic emphasized this tendency. The young folks are also delaying getting married, which is really smart. Slow down. Um, there's no rush, and if you do it too young, you'll likely regret it. That's a different topic. Uh, here's what's going to happen, says Mr. Ramsey. You cannot avoid life. It's coming for your butt, and your <laughs> mama can't protect you. Your opinion doesn't matter until you've got 
life experience to base that opinion on. You will run into reality, which says that you are not an expert on something just because you can breathe the air. Your opinion is not valid unless it is based on some kind of fact. He says we aren't picking on you. We're begging you to get away from, from your parents and live your own life. How about that for reality? And you asked if we were surprised. Um, because COVID happened, I'm not surprised if somebody's 24 at home. But if it didn't, then yes, I would be surprised. Two decades, I, though, is 20 years of it. And COVID wasn't around 20 years ago. Oh, two decades. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I, I lived at home till I was 21. But then I got kicked out. <laughs> I mean, literally. Oh yeah, uh, I, I I had to run a few. But it was off. the best thing uh, for me. It's the best thing for you. Uh, there are some people that I know, honest to goodness, that when their kids turned eighteen, their parents said, "Bye, get out." Um, they were tossed into the fire, which probably it may sound cruel at the time, but you sure have to wake up right quick, and learn how to write checks, manage money, and be a grown up. And, and it's not easy, and it, do, it but it does get easier. But if you're coddled for too long, it becomes yeah. a real mess. Well, this that whole thing, though, presumes a couple of things on the face of it. It presumes that the young adults are living there and not paying any kind of rent or contributing to the financial operation of the household. Accurate. And yeah. because, you know, my kid still lives with his mom, he pays rent. Okay. So, and so that's one thing it presumes. Another thing is... Up until about World War II, it wasn't at all uncommon for there to be multi-generational households. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, kids sure. would live with their parents until you know, they got married, until you know, 27, 30, whatever, uh, ongoing. They, but they paid into the operation of the household. So it's, it's the idea of the kids moving out and starting their own life at 18, 20, or just out of college is, is still kind of, in history, a new idea it uh, it it got in America anyway. It got going in the I guess fifties, or after World War Two, and you're right. It getting out on your own. It you get uh, more life experience because everyone everyone ought to live out on their own for a while just to at least figure out themselves and uh, how to handle every little thing that that is going to come up, but still have some kind of you know help to call on. So yeah. there's there's a couple of presumptions in that that I don't completely agree with, and yeah. uh, so good, good points, good points. Yeah, yeah. I can. There are a number of. I'm kind of flashing on uh, some movies. Italian families, uh, it seems, oh, yeah. are the most most prominent, where the mom and dad, and the grandparents and the kids all live in the same house, um, and that isn't uncommon or wasn't. Yeah, I mean. Certain, Post World War Two, like you said. Yeah, you, I mean, you. Uh, what was it? Uh, that Jimmy Stewart movie. It's a Wonderful Life. They were all living in the same house up until George got married. Moonstruck with Cher. Okay. Yeah. They had this, you know, giant <laughs> yeah. apartment in uh, in in New York. It was the mom and the dad, the uh, and the dad's dad and Cher, and they all lived in the same place, but they had some huge apartment. But it's uh, but those were different times, and um, but well, so were these. Uh, I mean, you said it's been the past twenty years; it's been on the increase. You know what hadn't been on a regular increase in the past twenty years? Wages for working people. Yeah, there's that. Um, but half of kids 
18 to 2 uh, 24, half of them live with their parents. That's a bit staggering. Uh, I just can't resist, just on the, um, on the comedic politician note, that's what it's turned into, is a, a circus with clowns. And it's just become humorous. Talking about the idea of not speaking about things unless you know the facts. That has been tossed out the window <laughs> by the politicians who have mastered the art of getting in the media. They do it by saying some of the dumbest shit ever recorded in human history. Uh, the star of this shit show is Marjorie Taylor Greene, R from Georgia. She gets one off every day, sometimes two. Uh, her tweet from a couple of days ago was about the American people deserving to know about Dr. Fauci's role in the COVID-19 pandemic. What did he know? How involved was he? And what did he do? I saw, to back up a little bit, a video last week that was not a deep fake. It was a video of Fauci talking before Trump became president uh, about uh, people ought, ought to be on notice and alert that there was a serious infectious disease coming to this country and you better stand by. How did he know that? And how did he drop that on the American people? So uh, that has reopened the discussion about where this thing came from, which from the inception of the COVID pandemic times that changed the world, uh, it was that this came from Wuhan, China in a lab. And that uh, they have been gathering facts because they just won't let this go and probably shouldn't since it, since it killed a million people in this country. So it has been traced back with definitive facts, I suppose, to this lab in China. Uh, and Miss Green, uh, she loves to tweet and uh, to exhibit what a moron she truly is. Uh, uh, this is a, it's a weapon of mass destruction, COVID-19. Well, that's, that probably is accurate. Uh, she says every year, because the country did pretty much shut down during COVID, on every level. She says every year in America, 600,000 uh, people in the U.S. die from cancer. Then she says the country has never once shut down for that. And then you stop and shake your head. What the uh, fuck is wrong with you? She was criticized for not knowing the virus and its transmission and how the devastation that it caused in this country. Then she said... Or, uh, she was asked if there's a cancer vaccine that works for 9 in 10 people, would she be against that? I don't think she had much more comment about <laughs> after that was brought up. Uh, one that outdoes her, maybe, for being stupid and ill-informed and just plain ignorant uh, is this dumbass Lauren Boebert. She is befuddled by a word in the Bible. Um, she's a big NRA chicky. Um, the NRA, uh, the image of that outfit has changed considerably. 100,000 people have left their NRA subscriptions to... Uh, that's just one more mess that there's no point getting into. She was... She's from Colorado. She got tripped up by a Bible verse that she was reading aloud. 
during a speech to an audience of conservative constituents, and she got into this. She's a big, uh, uh, she opposes the separation of church and state, which immediately makes her suspect because, well, that's another one. Uh, and she recited Romans 128 through 32, which maligns non-believers. And so here we go again, imposing what you believe on uh, American people. She reads, and then all hell broke loose, rampant evil, grabbing and grasping, vicious backstabbing. They make life hell on earth with their envy, wanton killing. She pronounced the word wanton, wanton. Then she stopped and said, I don't know what a wanton killing is. I'm going to have to look that one up, but it sounds oh, interesting. I don't want to be a part of that. So now we have learned that the Bible introduced a piece of Asian culture and food, and we <laughs> never knew it. The word wanton is not wanton. Wanton killing means merciless, unprovoked slaughter. But this dumbass didn't know that and didn't know what it meant but didn't like the sound of it. Really? Jeez. And this is why we can, we have to rail, not, not, not rail, but just prove to you what happens when you don't vote against people who are obvious morons, regardless of party affiliation. Then in part two of her uh, comedy act, she gave a quick lesson on geography on Twitter and tweeted out a US map with some very notable omissions. She has embraced some of this insane stuff from the uh, this uh, QAnon outfit and she has called for the church to direct the government. She wrote sometimes a meme says it best and she shared a contorted image of a map showing the lower 48 states on a globe with nothing else but the ocean. Her text tweet said, here's a map showing the only place my taxes should go. Leaving well, aside the money spent overseas can benefit our nation and allies. Blah, blah, blah. The map omits two U.S. states, <laughs> Hawaii and Alaska. Right. So as you, well and as, she, as, you and she are in lockstep about Hawaii, yeah. But it also left out every U.S. territory. Hawaii has no business being a state. It should be taken off the thing. And we don't need two Dakotas. Make it one. <laughs> then, then you have 48 states. Uh, it leaves out part of Michigan and territories like Puerto Rico <laughs> and, and Guam. Uh, so this dumbass railed about this and the reactions on the Twitter machine after she posted it uh, were some of them were just uh, just I mean classic you didn't uh, put on Alaska Hawaii uh, uh, Guam US Virgin Islands American Samoa and so on not to mention the hundreds of American uh, you know, bases in the military across the globe of which there are about 400 I believe uh, Stop trying to learn things from memes, says one person. Stop yeah. embarrassing yourself and the country. What amazes me, my favorite one, is how confident you are in your own stupidity. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? 
This may Speak be a broken record, but this is why voting is important. Now, this is one one chick from Colorado and this other one from Georgia who have got as much business being in that office as our dogs do. They have no idea what they're doing. They are blindly ignorant and just mean-spirited and evil and should not be in any position like this. But people voted for them and put them in there. And they aren't the only two. But it is seemingly a little bit out of control. I just wonder if my um, observation to lawyer Bill is even anywhere close to being on the money. That maybe these people are doing the nation of younger generations that don't vote. Maybe it's giving them a reason to get out and do something about it. Let's or are go. we just, is that just, you know, wishful thinking? Well, they're, well, they're not stupid and they see it on Twitter and wherever else. So that's my point. Let's hope. Uh, and that's why I love to read Paul Stanley's Twitter page because he's always making comments about what Marjorie Taylor, Taylor Trash Green is saying. Um, like the restaurant attack that she tweeted about. Yeah, which was total bullshit. Which, by, which, by the way, I just read part of her beginning. I was attacked in a restaurant tonight by an insane woman. His his tweet about it, frightening in all caps. Anyone buys into this drivel from someone whose tactics include repeatedly accosting, belittling, and harassing so many who don't share her views. Ban books, divide the country up. We're always better off being challenged by our freedom than by repression. Stand up. You go, Paul Stanley. And that's from Paul Stanley, that's who's a Paul. smart yes. dude. Yeah. yeah, I love reading his tweets. He, he, these people aren't, he's just one of many. Uh, mm-hmm. But but the problem, I think that this kind of bounces back uh, to the media and their obsession with things that get eyeballs and views. Uh, there has not been one day this week uh, when she has not been in some headline saying and doing something absolutely ignorant and or mean she's an idiot mm-hmm. and i don't care what party you like or not everybody in either of these parties they there are some good politicians trying to do good work and make policy but there is a frightening new group that has no interest in that whatsoever. It's all self-serving, and the ones that rally around them and think that they are just awesome uh, are the ones that it's just dangerous, and it's causing a lot of issues. LGBT, all this stuff about Bill Lee and the guy in Texas who wrote the new thing to ban all anybody who isn't white and hetero. They got him an address, a picture. From days gone by so is the media the problem if they just if they just let this alone would it make it any any better sure is weird though sure is strange <laughs> I don't know uh, what else to say about it to to uh in in a in a comment to what paul said on twitter this guy says i'm over here fresh out of a therapy session and in tears thinking about how effing cool it is to see someone i've admired and emulated all my life standing up against hatred and division thank you paul so much love 
That's why I think as time has gone by and they're now in their early 70s, that it is refreshing to see people like that who have been adored by how many millions of people mm -hmm. for their music and for their little dumb songs and their makeup and their whole thing, how they have captured the attention of the older generation who now reads their comments about politics on Twitter. Is that irony or just, I don't know. It's, um, it's encouraging though, isn't it? Yeah. Kiss has never been a band that was that cussed on stage. Mm -mm. Um, they, because they always knew that in the audience, there were grandparents with their grandkids. They've always known that that was the case since they've been around now for 50 odd years. Yeah. So they have never done anything uh, that was, you know, nasty or ugly. Well, Gene just being there is nasty and ugly. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I was yeah. say, and then, then there's some of their uh, their choice topics for their songs. Well, yeah, I, yeah, sure. <laughs> well, there are a number of bands who have existed and made an entire career on about drinking and screwing mm -hmm. oh, and chasing yeah. bitches and chasing yeah, whatever song. it's all zz top has made a fortune on on songs about about drinking and effing and whatever that's been their whole thing acdc they have one theme rock and roll sex drugs and rock and roll made them a fortune it it helps that they do play really well and make entertaining music but the content uh, a little tired, guys, but it works. Three chords and something about booze and sex. Yes, it's a hit. <laughs> right, right. And and the, and the hip hop and, and uh, R and B bunch took it to a whole different level with oh, yeah. really colorful language and suggestions that uh, you couldn't play and wouldn't play on it. I don't know. I, I just don't yep. know anymore. But this is funny. It's on our Facebook page. For a, a long time, Memphis State and Louisville had one of the best rivalries in college basketball. They were in the same conference, and Memphians hated Louisville and vice versa. And they were always really big games, big rivals. People in Memphis must be uh, just having a party over how bad Louisville's basketball team has been this year. Rick Pitino was there. They had a good program. Uh, Denny Crum ran that program for a number of years. They won the championship in 81, I believe, um, beating UCLA. I'll never forget that night in Louisville. It was a big deal. Uh, but they have fallen on hard times. The record this year is four and twenty-seven. They have lost double digit. Uh, they've lost um, seventeen games by double digits. Last night in their home finale, they were ahead and lost the game seventy-one fifty-four to somebody. They're just awful. To put a fine point on it, the halftime show last night, which is lame by any standard was a guy throwing Frisbees to a dog on the court. There was hardly anybody in the stands. Nobody cares. And the guy throwing Frisbees to the dog was probably cheap halftime entertainment. <laughs> the defining moment came at the end of it. 
as they're walking off, the dog stopped and took a dump on the court. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. Goodbye, everybody. We're done. And we have the video uh, and the story up on our Facebook page. It was hysterical. It's funny. And the media grabbed it, and it, it was, it's a hoot. This dog, just without speaking, uh, defined how the season has gone up at Louisville for the Cardinals. A once proud program, which has fallen on really hard times when a dog taking a dump is the big story. <laughs> so, unbelievable. All right, uh, any text you got, we'll uh, have more of this uh, tomorrow for you. Wesley's new podcast begins Friday. That's yes, tomorrow. that's tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be great. And um, uh, we're going to talk to Jim Holt, the CEO of Memphis in May, in a few minutes. And that podcast will run over the weekend. And all of these podcasts that don't include music will be posted on the uh, webpage, drakehallmemphis.com, for you to download and hear later on. So we are building uh, the podcasting as we go, and I'll have a new one uh, for Monday next week. And uh, we keep adding on to this list, and hopefully that you'll be, you'll find them informational, entertaining, and whatnot. So uh, there you go. Uh, we will carry on, enjoy the day of music. We're going to rerun one more time the uh, my first music cast. Uh, between the grooves about it's about it's dog songs and that's it's today at one o'clock is that right yeah. yes, no, whatever. yes okay that's at one o'clock so there you go that's all coming up uh i don't want to hear that song um uh well, there are we a play well we play oh gary clark jr is on the bill street music festival if you're if you're a a guitar lover, you know who this guy is. He is he is great, and he's been around for over a decade. Uh, he is he he was in one prominent commercial during Super Bowl, I believe, with all the rock stars, Ozzy, Paul Stanley, and Gary Clark Jr. Uh-huh. He's really a fine player, and he's playing uh, at the Music Fest this year. So here is his version of an old Beatles song. Enjoy this on Drake Digital. This is Drake Digital with Drake West and Sid in the morning. Keep up with the shows and podcasts at drakehallmemphis.com. All righty then. There you go. Let me tell you about our friends at Wholesale Nutrition for a minute. It is a, it, the, the, their little store began as a, well, it was a very small store in South Haven. Then it got up to a medium-sized store. Now it is a brand new store on Goodman Road by ATC Fitness, and it, it's it's huge. And you can go to their website, which has just been put up the past couple of weeks, and they have the categories of all the things they offer, uh, from you know workout stuff, uh, you know pre and post, and vitamins and minerals and uh, beauty products and uh, animal products. It's a vast, vast array of things for your health and for your pet's health and for your hair, your face, your body, your insides. The one thing that I wanted to to share now and and probably will again, we are walking into one of the worst times of the year for those that suffer from allergies. Raise your hand. Mine's up, Sid's up, and so is Wes's. Everybody gets this because we're about to be having these trees turn green and bud out and here comes the the, all the pollen and stuff that gets on your car and turns your lungs and your car green. 
So here is one. Here are some suggestions uh, for things to do. When this begins, many folks run right to the drugstore and buy over-the-counter stuff. All of these things that supposedly help. Uh, some folks get shots uh, that don't really work. And some folks head to their doctor and are given things that may or may not work because everybody's symptoms and the severity of it are different. Now here are some ideas you might want to think about and they carry all these things at Wholesale Nutrition. Write them down. Stinging nettle is the first choice of this expert on uh, products like this. It is a natural allergy supplement. Uh, it's a natural antihistamine that can be taken on an as-needed basis. In fact, most people find that they take it for a few days here and there and it knocks out the runny nose, the watery eyes, and all that stuff. Stinging nettle, N-E-T-T-L-E. Ask about that. Uh, in one little research piece, half of those who took those capsules uh, called it equally or more effective than medications prescribed by doctors. That's a pretty interesting endorsement. The other one, I guess you pronounce this quercetin, Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N. It's a plant chemical that helps to stabilize mast cells that release substances including histamine that contribute to inflammation and your allergies. This one uh, will prevent the onset of the allergy issues. And so you, you take one of these every day as a preventative. It is found naturally, as are many of these supplements, in foods like apples, berries, red grapes, black tea, red onions, and so on. But it's also available in a um, in a bottle um, with, with pills in it, and it might prevent this. Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N. So there are two suggestions for you to look into when you stop by and visit these folks and just, just ask them, what things do you have here for allergies? Because mine are just going crazy, and they'll guide you right to it. The website shows you more of their specials, their categories, and they do really fine work there. Smart staff. Go and see them. WholesaleNutrition.com on Goodman Road by ATC Fitness between Gitwell and Chulahoma. I thank them for being a part of the program, and you will uh, find some great relief in some of these supplements and things that do work. It isn't all hype. It's the real deal. Wilson Pickett, if he was here, he'd say, yes, Drake, you're right. But he's dead, so he can't talk. But he made some great music. Here's the wicked one on Drake.